Sometimes, the only thing separating life from death is timing. That split second on the threshold of mortality, when the rock is only a foot above your head. The horse's hoof is inches away from your face. The sword blade is swinging toward your torso. Or the runaway wagon full of ale barrels is only a single rotation of the wheels away from your body. In that fraction of a moment, life and death become as one. And only luck, instinct, or perhaps fate will decide your next state of being. Lyncha pondered this as she studied the large tear in her old blue shirt. Really, this dependency on timing was becoming all too familiar to her. On their own accord, her eyes followed the line of the tear across her left breast to the fletched tail of a crossbow bolt protruding from the rotting masonry of the old wall beside her left shoulder. A tatter of blue fabric clung to the shaft. One step more, one fraction of a second faster, and she would have been... Hooves clattered over the rubble, and an adolescent male head peered cautiously around another crumbling wall about twenty feet away. Lyncha heard him gasp. What have you done now? More hooves clashed on the ruined paved road, and a large male centaur trotted into Lyncha's view. The horseman was big, muscled from years of fighting, and colored such a dark bay he looked almost black. He took a single look at the woman pinned by her shirt to the wall, and his face suffused with anger. Leonidas, he bellowed, rounding on someone behind the wall. How many times have I told you not to loose a bolt until you are certain of your quarry? He sprang forward and wrenched the offending crossbow out of the hands of the hapless shooter. Lyncha closed her eyes to the gloom around her and her ears to the voice of the annoyed centaur. She concentrated her attention inward to the wild pulse of her heart and the jangled rush of relief, delayed fear, and outrage. Focusing her mind on her body's instinctive reactions, she calmed her racing heart, restored her breathing to normal, and sent her emotions spiraling into a calm repose. It was a technique she had learned from her mother, who had to use it often when dealing with her father, Palin. She opened her eyes, extracted the bolt from her shirt and the wall, and walked over to the large centaur who was still berating a smaller one. Two others had joined them, and stood silently at a respectful distance. All four horsemen were heavily armed and wore war harnesses decorated with the brass emblem of the Dragon Lord Aesta, ruler of the missing city. Lyncha tapped the bolt against the lead stallion's burly arm to get his attention. I'm all right, she said lightly. Really, nice of you to ask. Leonidas, she now saw, was a young male a buckskin with dark legs and a mane and a coat the color of sand. He was still in the gangly stage between colt and stallion, all legs and knees and elbows. A wisp of a pale beard attempted to age his youthful face. The lead centaur turned, the irritation still plain beneath his thick black beard. Lady Lynsha, I do apologize. We did not know you were out here, but that is no excuse. He twisted back to Leonidas. You do not shoot until you see your target. Do you want to explain to Lord Commander Morak how you shot his officer in broad daylight? The young centaur blanched. Lord Baron Uth Morak, 
senior commander of the Circle of the Knights of Salamnia in the missing city, was well known for his temper and his dedication to his officers.